0: welcome bird gang on today's show still very draft heavy we've given our takes on the cardinals draft picks so now for some national perspective on the eight new faces what about the rest of the nfc west we see how our neighbors did first though some non-draft news it's cardinals cover two episode 561 and it starts now before we get to the news of the day mj why don't you tell everyone about the spring cleaning you did now that the draft is over
1: okay so normally when we get to january you know how i'm about big boards and and obviously a lot of it's based on juniors and seniors coming out so i start to build this 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 draft folder and and again i don't i don't Pay attention to mocks. I just look at big boards, and, you know, I'll look at, you know, some of the analytic sites, and then obviously, you know, when I look at Daniel Jeremiah or Kyper or McShea when they start ranking the top ten at every position. So um, I went back, and, you know, obviously the Cardinals players, I kept everything about them, not that I had information, you know, the guys were on the on the, the third day. Uh, but I actually deleted 479 documents. <laughs> 479 is your
0: computer your laptop running a little bit faster you
1: know when it said uh, you want to uh, uh, delete the uh, recycle bin they asked me they always asked, are you sure <laughs> and i just watched it it was 479 so it didn't happen as fast as like 19 of them so uh my computer is running faster and and it's it's nice to now focus on what happened and we also will talk about the nfc west and how they did uh but I, I, you know, usually on draft weekend, Craig, and you come in on a Monday, and, you know, I know there's grades out there, and I get it. It's ba- really, should grades should be based on what team needs were. Not, you know, we we don't know how good these, these draft classes, we don't know. The Jets obviously feel really good about theirs when you get three guys that you had ranked probably in the top 15 in the first round, that's awesome, but the key is we got to wait a couple of years. Usually it's two or three years, but, you know, we'll see. But I do like this class, and I feel good about it. And one thing I noticed yesterday in the in the last day of the draft, because we talked about, you know, adding pass rushers. Uh, I think tight end was the best available player. Um, the running back, you know, you still want to, you know, bring in the guy on the third day. But it really, you know, when you look at Steve Kahn, and, and usually it's the you know, macho, we're taking the best available player. We're not gonna we're not gonna force a pick. If this guy, they drafted based on needs yesterday, and I think we're starting to see that. Where maybe a few years ago you have one scout or somebody is banging the table for a guy, always looking for the diamond in a rough. Oh, and and I get it. And sometimes you, you got to go through the process. But here, uh, they went with needs. And the fact is, I you know I like every single pick. Um, some more than better. Others just because I, you know, I look at Cameron Thomas and he reminds me of this guy that's just going to be a special teams team demon. Get to the quarterback. So I like what they did. And you know, I don't know about anything about Christian Matthew. Um, I do know about these two linemen, Smith and Hayes. That they got they got some anchor, and that's going to help the the depth of that position. So I, again, how do you know? We don't know. Um, but I definitely think that they filled some needs based on what they were able to do in free agency. We know that can be cost effective when you have to go out there and spend money at a certain position.
0: Three edge rushers, two offensive guards, one tight end, one running back, one cornerback. Four on offense, four on defense. That's what the Cardinals accomplished over the weekend and yes, a little bit less paperwork now at each of our workstations (laughs) based off the number of NFL prospects that we've kind of studied and learned, now we can just narrow that focus down to eight instead of 800. It wasn't that many, but you get the idea.
1: It's always interesting because, you know, you get the first round, and then you, everyone. Belichick actually said it's th- it's really three drafts. You go back and set your board after the first night, and then you go back and set your board after the second night, and then you set your board for the third day. And and to me, um, some of those players that we talked about in the top 50 you start to see some of those names in the third round. So, you know, it wasn't like a foreign name to me where, you know, you study enough information and then, you know, we always focus on what position do they need and, you know, what's the depth chart at that position. So you and I focus a lot on the edge rushers, wide receivers, um, cornerbacks, D linemen, you know, Davis and Wyatt. And so you start to learn about some of these other positions and next year it could be completely different when it comes to needs.
0: We've got some draft grades and some other breakdowns. You mentioned what it, the NFC West did over the weekend. We'll get to all that. The Cardinals did make a roster move, but there is also some other news, and this is coming to us here Monday afternoon. And readily admit it, Bergang, this is not good news. DeAndre Hopkins suspended the first six games of the regular season. The NFL releasing this statement. DeAndre Hopkins of the Arizona Cardinals has been suspended without pay for the first six games of the 2022 regular season for violating the NFL policy on performance-enhancing substances. Hopkins is eligible to participate in all preseason practices and games. He will be allowed to return to the Cardinals' active roster following the team's sixth regular season game. That is the statement from an NFL spokesperson. We have not heard from the Arizona Cardinals I have not heard, as we talk here on this Monday, from DeAndre Hopkins. But obviously, this certainly throws a wrench into this upcoming season. There'll be plenty of time to figure out the ins and outs. All right, what do you do now? But this is something that after the high of three days, talking about new faces, now all of a sudden Monday comes and you're dealt with this, and it's a major blow.
1: Yeah, and I guess if there's a silver lining um – and again, this is this is not good considering how much they uh, missed him last year. But you know, I really have it happen early in the season, late in the season. I, I know you don't choose that. That's how the the process works. And you know, really, this is a league issue now with uh, DeAndre Hopkins, and so they'll have plenty of time to kind of figure it out. Because last year, we know Craig from a football standpoint how much they missed him, but. You know, clearly he'll be fully healthy and, you know, hopefully he can come back and have a really good season because they're going to need him. But uh, this is going to allow some other guys to step up. And as you said, we'll have plenty of time to figure it out. But at least this didn't happen, you know, day before the season, all of a sudden you got it. You're scrambling. Okay. We put this system in for him and certain routes, um, and again, you were the first guy last year. Figure it out. Well, I'm gonna go with your 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 words here. Figure it out. You got plenty of time to figure this out, and that means other guys will have to step up.
0: Well, part of that figuring out is the acquisition of Marquise Brown. Now, we don't know when the Cardinals were aware of this absence that Hopkins is going to miss six games, but did it play a factor? Who knows? But now you do have Marquise Brown, AJ Green, that re signing looms much larger. The retaining of Zach Ertz, once again, all of this is, again, not mitigating what is going on, but to your point, MJ, when we hear from either the general manager or the head coach, then we can kind of figure out and play armchair quarterback as far as, all right, now what do you do? You've got six games without number 10, and then you have to figure out a to way to insert him back into the rotation at wide receiver.
1: Well, again, this is me just connecting dots. Um, based on, you know, um, Zach Gertz under contract three more years, and we'll see, wait and see. I'm not really concerned about Max Williams until we get to the regular season. But Trey McBride, um, this guy, you, you can run 12 personnel. And so maybe we see a little bit more 12 personnel. And then, you know, with with the situation at running back, the one-two punch now with Ingram and Connor, Um you can still run the ball and be physical to line of scrimmage. So maybe we see more 12 personnel. Um, I think this precludes them from technically trying to go four wide or five wide now because you're taking. Because teams will roll coverage over and that means somebody's getting open. I still think the underneath routes are going to be available for a lot of these guys. So it wouldn't surprise me if they lean on 12 personnel. 11 personnel is with their bases. So, uh, But. Uh, we look at 10 personnel, and they've been used more than any other team. I'm not saying you can't do it because you can go three wide and put Ertz out there as a slot guy, um, but I do think we're going to see more 12 personnel with the addition and the development of Trey McBride.
0: Stay tuned, Bird Gang, because we have not talked about this only for the last time. This is certainly going to be a talking point now for much of the offseason. Speaking of the wide receiver position, the Cardinals did not draft one. Was that a surprise remember what Kingsbury had said going into the draft quote I like what's in the room yet six wide receivers are selected before the Cardinals at number 23 heck before they get to the 20th overall selection six wide receivers in the first 18 picks and a promotion here for the day patch podcast his Recent guess or his recent episode has Quentin Harris, vice president of player personnel, with respect to the Brown acquisition and kind of more of a timetable. Yeah, this had been discussed, but it really came to fruition on draft day on Thursday. And this is Harris: "Quote is Hollywood Brown going to have more of an impact than anyone that we were going to draft right now?" And the answer was yes. So at that point, it was an easy call for us. End quote. With respects to, all right, who can we get at 23? Is that a guy that is going to start week one and all of a sudden be impactful, to use Harris's word? Probably not. The odds certainly not in your favor. So, all right, let's go ahead, pick up the phone, tell the Ravens, yes, we're in. Let's get Marquise Brown.
1: I was intrigued with some of these receivers as their draft process went. You, you obviously, you take a look at, at Jameis uh, Williams. I didn't think he would drop. I started to, to zone on and, and maybe zero in on a guy like Jahan Dotson. Uh, Burks was intriguing, but Steve, they were the tea leaves here. And there were, you know, the first 70 picks, 14 receivers came off the ball. So, you know, and you could have forced a Christian Watson or a Perkins up there, but those guys were more late first, if not early second. So he read the tea leaves, and he, I rather have a, a proven player. Nothing against Rondell Moore, um, who's a rookie, and, and I, I think he's got a bright future. But, you know, listen, th- this guy to me is an upgrade over Christian Kirk. I can say that.
0: Proven player is the key word because I'm going to give you the six wide receivers that were selected, and nothing against any of these six, but proven versus unknown. Drake London, Garrett Wilson. Chris Olave, Jamison Williams, Jahan Dotson, Traylon Burks. All six could be Hall of Famers. All six we might not be talking about in two years. Marquise Brown at least has a resume with respect to the pro game. And, you know, he he actually requested
1: a trade two years ago and give him a ton of credit because it really never got out. And they run a lot of 12 personnel. Um, They have Mark Andrews, one of the best tight ends in football. They obviously rely on their running game and their quarterback running. But he, he, he didn't like the offense. And so, a he wants to be here. B he has a relationship with the quarterback. They played two years together under Lincoln Riley at Oklahoma. They've been working out together. This is a plug and play guy. And when when Hop returns, I mean, this offense could be explosive. Uh, Again, we'll we'll have plenty of time to talk about that. But I, I. Listen, yes, it's a first-round pick. You own his rights for the next two years, and then you can pick up the fifth-year option. So it's not like he's on the last year of his contract, and he wants to be here. This is this is I don't know if this was a dream. But when he started looking at options and, and with the relationship with K1 and, and obviously Kingsbury's offense, he wants to be here. And I'll tell you what, he's a really well rounded young man. I was thoroughly impressed. You never know when you, you watch a distance we only see him with the helmet on, but he's very personable. Um, he doesn't mind being called uh, Marquise or Hollywood. Yeah, but uh, I just, everything he said, really, I was impressed with. So. I'll I'll take the proven guy all day, Craig, because we don't know about these guys. And that's not to say they're not going to be good players.
0: Peter King, football morning in America, weighed in on the Brown trade, wrote this. The Hollywood trade was the best for both teams. He'll have a chance to be the deep threat he never could be in Baltimore. Two sentences, and I think very succinctly kind of mentions what you just talked about. What the Ravens did as an offense, sure, there's room for a Marquise Brown. But what the Cardinals do as an offense, much better fits for Marquise Brown.
1: And he's never played with a guy like Hop. Now, he, you can say that he probably could be the number one Roger just based on his history. I mean, first time he, uh, you know, ex- uh, uh, clipped 1,000 yards. He has 21 touchdowns in three years. It really doesn't miss a lot of games. He had Liz Franck surgery. He still was a first-round pick. Um... No, and and I've watched film of him, and I'm thoroughly impressed just the way he gets open. You you know, usually on on the TV they show the ball, and you see this guy running, and the ball's coming, and he's always ahead of the defensive backs. And that's something I think we want to see from Rondell Moore. And Kirk was able to do that, but you see it consistently on tape why the Cardinals wanted to make this trade and give up a first-round pick. And then they get a fourth and round, Third round, right. Sorry, the 100th pick overall, and you look at that. And, and that became Maja Sanders. So he's part of that trade right there when, when the
0: Cardinals and Ravens made the deal. This uh, one final note with respect to the first round and the Arizona Cardinals, a history lesson, Mike Jurecki. I know you're big in the history, but, and I did not know this, it was StatWiz, Mike Helm, and his day three draft notes. First time since 1995 the Cardinals went without a pick in the first round. First time since 1995. Do you know what happened in nineteen ninety five. Now, Bird Gang, we are really testing the knowledge of one Mike Derecki here on Cardinals Cover Two presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. I think they made a trade for Rob Moore. Oh my goodness. And I'm, I'm looking, I'm looking, I'm standing up, I'm looking over. He's got he didn't he's got his computer, but he didn't type anything. He's There's- got no notes. But you're right. That year, ninety five, the Cardinals traded first round pick to the Jets for wide receiver Rob Moore.
1: I recall that. Wow. That was my first training camp. Great guy. And Syracuse guy. There
0: you go. You're going to say it before I had a (laughs) chance to. By the way, 95, I was still at Syracuse. Wow. And that was
1: my junior year. Yeah, that was the first year that I think they hired Vince Tobin and went to Flagstaff and I got a chance to meet him and I told him how much I uh, enjoyed watching him and you know I, I wasn't I didn't go to Syracuse and I didn't tell him I was from Buffalo I told him I was from Niagara Falls and they would close act- enough yeah exactly and <laughs> still they, in the state and they would have like a frozen four like we would get Canisius St Bonaventure Niagara and Syracuse to play so I was able to go you know he wasn't playing there but uh, the fact that Syracuse they were, they were a big deal as you know. I'm um, growing up in upstate New York.
0: I'm thoroughly impressed that you – I, you know, I thought you were going to talk should, about – Maybe I shouldn't. Maybe I shouldn't have been. Maybe I just should, you know, assume. But the problem when you assume, MJ, yeah, you know, yeah, that, that happens. Yeah. So, I didn't – Well, I, there was one year they had a supplemental draft. Okay, yeah. And they – Don't strain yourself over no, there. Take I, the win, I, MJ. I, Take I, the win. And I
1: think they drafted a guy who never played for him. Yeah, that, that was before. It was in St. Louis. And then the whole, like – Tom Tupa, yeah, um, Tim Rosenbaum thing. Okay. Well, I'm, I'm glad I was uh, able to uh, answer the question.
0: Wow. Yeah. here's just made your entire day, made your entire week, <laughs> maybe the month. Here's we early on in the month of May. All right. We always kind of discuss draft grades. You know, we know what we think. We know what most uh, the fans think, but the national perspective. And I and, – Look, you were showing me a website earlier was like 70-plus. It might have been up to 80 different mock drafts or more. I'm not going through all the draft grades, but I did pick out three that I think give a good representation of what the Cardinals accomplished on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday collectively in 2022. Mel Kuyper Jr., ESPN, Chad Reader, NFL.com, and Pro Football Focus. Those and, were my three.
1: And, and we've... Credit. There are others, of course. Yes, and we've credited them throughout the process. Yes, Chad Reader does—he does a seven-round mock draft. He does the write-ups. Um, uh, Lance Zerline does the, the scouting, but Chad Reader—he does all the write-ups. And then we're, we're a big Daniel Jeremiah fan, and obviously, you know, let's give Mel Kuiper credit because he
0: really started all this back in the day. Here's what Kuyper wrote, part of what he wrote. Cameron Thomas, my Jay Sanders, two solid defensive ends with different skill sets. Thomas could play some tackle, while Sanders, who has a slim frame, is more of a stand-up edge rusher. They won't be instant replacements for Chandler Jones, but I like the value. He ended his write-up with this. This is a sound, if unspectacular, class. And gave the Cardinals a B. I'm very... I'm very impressed with that because I can certainly understand the B. I get it. Now, we heard from General Manager Steve Kime that Cameron Thomas and Sanders are both going to be outside linebackers. There's the ability uh, of Thomas to play inside, put his hand in the dirt, maybe line up next to J.J. Watt. And on that J.J. Watt note, we also heard from Kime saying that he texted and apologized to J.J. because, like Zach Allen, Thomas was going to, quote, following him around like puppies and we heard that and of course you know the astute social media expert that JJ Watt is confirmed this via social media that time texted him just that but Watt added this quote and as long as the puppies like to work and are potty trained they're always welcome with me smiling face emoji. So J.J. Watt knows exactly what he's going to walk into when he meets Cameron Thomas and my J. Sanders for the first time.
1: Yeah, you look at uh, Cameron Thomas, 6'4", 264. He was uh, invited to the uh, Senior Bowl, second team, Associated Press All-American, led the Mountain West with 11.5 sacks. You know, he's played in 36 games, 34 starts. He's had 155 tackles, 39 for loss, 21 sacks. Um, he's had... 46 quarterback hits, so he's a guy that's very active. And when I got to Cardinals tweeted out a a video of him, a highlight video uh, from the league, this is the way this guy is tackling in the open field. So I think he'll definitely have an opportunity to possibly put his hand in the dirt, play outside linebacker, and then play on special teams. Now, when you start looking at my Jay Sanders, 6'4 and 3'8, 242, he was the second-team, first-team All-American Athletic Conference, 220-21, and 21. 62 quarterback pressure, led the ACC according to Pro Football Focus. And if you look at him, he's played in 48 games, 37 starts. He has 115 tackles, 25 tackles for losses, 13 and a half sacks, and he's hit the quarterback at least 25 times, 13 last year. So, again, flood the position. And, and i got to think right now, Craig, all the six uh, – Outside backers they have. I don't know if there's room for someone else. I know you and I talked about what's the other need, um, and we'll get into that. I, I think it's going to have to be a veteran defensive lineman to add to that group. I don't know who you take out of this this mix. I'm we yeah. That, there's always try to get better, but I think D line is something they probably should go after as a veteran guy.
0: On that point because it was brought up on both day two and day three at a kime and kingsbury in fact on day three it was kime who brought up chandler jones i'm sorry excuse me it was kingsbury who brought up chandler jones with respect to the three edge rushers that they drafted quote you can never replace a chandler jones obviously but the group we have in that room now we're excited about and we've just got to keep building it The day before, and this is something that I know Ron Wolfley has been talking a lot about, it was Kingsbury again talking about his defensive coordinator, Vance Joseph, and how great a job Joseph did of scheming things up, to use Kingsbury's words, to get to the quarterback when Chandler Jones was hurt two seasons ago. So I get all of that, again, as I've said multiple times. Two seasons ago, this team had Hassan Reddick and Dennis Gardek come out of the blue And I just don't know. You don't have another Hassan Redick. You do have Marcus Golden. But I don't think Dennis Gardick, it's no knock on Gardick. I just don't think he's going to surprise anybody. Now, maybe there's someone else. Is Victor DiMuchegi an opportunity to surprise? But I think you're asking a lot from the coaching staff because, as our good friend Bertram Berry always says, it's the coach's job between Monday and Saturday, and the players have to get it done on Sunday. Vance Joseph, Charlie Bullen, they're not going to be on the field on Sunday.
1: No, well said. The thing to me is, though, you know, the two guys we really haven't talked about, and if you want to go put the rewind tape on over the last couple of years, it would have been Isaiah Simmons and Zayvon Collins. I mean, they're athletic enough um, where they can obviously man the front, um, but it's going to have to be done by committee. But if Marcus Golden can give you 10 and 11, 12 sacks, You know, I would think if J.J. Watt plays in 15 to 16 games, maybe he gives you four or five sacks. Zach Allen had four sacks last year. I anticipate that to go to seven or eight. And then, you know, what do you you get out of uh, Canard and possibly some of these young fellows? So I don't know if they'll get to 49 like they did when Chandler went down, but I, I think there's ways. And if the secondary can cover, then all of a sudden we know the quarterback gets rid of the ball a little bit quicker. Uh, they clearly got to get better in the rush defense, and that's why I think I added another veteran guy there. But it's it's really all three layers have to come together to where you know teams are in third and long. So all of a sudden, you could pin your ears back. If it's third and two, well, you're playing on your heels, not your toes.
0: You bring up Isaiah Simmons, which is maybe that wild card, his ability to rush the quarterback. You've got Nick Vigil. Do we see three inside linebackers at the on the field at the same time? And then their seventh round selection, Jesse Lakeda has that ability to play inside as well. So maybe they added two and a half edge rushers over the weekend in the night, uh, in the 2022 NFL draft. But it's certainly going to be something that We're going to talk about, and it's going to be a conversation and a probably weekly question asked of Vance Joseph. We went from dealing with the tight end to stopping the run to now might be manufacturing pressure on opposing quarterbacks. That might be what Vance Joseph is up against once the regular season hits. Looking at draft grades, again, this is Chad Reader, NFL.com, gave the Cardinals an A-. And here's what he wrote about Trey McBride. He'll contribute as a strong receiver. Blockers with Thomas and Sanders, also good day two picks to bolster the front seven. He called Ingram a compliment to James Conner. Smith and Hayes will compete for playing time at guard as rookies. Lucchetta will do the same at edge rusher. He isn't the biggest or fastest player, but adds needed depth and will contribute on special teams. That was part of what he wrote to come up with an A-. Uh, You
1: look at Jesse Lucchetta. Um, 6'2", 3'8", 261. He was invited to the uh, Senior Bowl. His arms are 33, and his wingspan is about 79. Honorable mention, all Big Ten Conference uh, career high in tackles last year, 61 tackles, 8 tackle for losses. So that tells me he's winning at the line of scrimmage, able to split a double team, and then he had 59 tackles in 9 games. Now he's played in 46. He started 17, 15 the last few years, 11 tackle for losses. He, he only has a half a sack. Um, he does have an interception, but he's got a couple quarterback hits and some pass breakups, and that's probably why he's to be able to deflect the ball. But he is a little bit smaller than the other two when you look at the outside linebacker position.
0: And this I did not know immediately when we last spoke here on Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. But Lucetta recorded two sacks at the Senior Bowl. So if you're wondering about, you know, where he might best fit, is it outside, is it inside, is it some combination of both? Does he become like Isaiah Simmons with the ability to do a little bit of everything, but his motor, if you will, watching film of him, special teams. I do think if you're going to look at any of these seventh-round selections, cornerback Chris Matthew, offensive guard Marquise Hayes, you're looking at least – my thinking is Luceda might be one of those favorites, or becomes a favorite of Jeff Rogers.
1: Yeah, and, and I do think uh, Thomas too, Cameron Thomas, because he's going to be active on game day. Again, these guys could play 15 to 16 snaps. You look at Luceda, maybe he's similar to um, Victor Dimakici. 62261. I don't I think Demakeichi's got to be 250. So maybe that's like the Marcus Golden type where you can put their hand in the dirt but also rush the passer. Clearly you don't want those guys dropping into coverage.
0: By the way, Marcus Golden tagged my Jay Sanders in a tweet over the weekend, simply said, "Let's hunt" So, and that's what we hear, the junkyard dog loves hunting after his quarterback. So, already you're seeing some of those veterans on the defensive side, whether it's J.J. Watt or Marcus Golden, reach out to these young players. One more draft grade, and this is from Pro Football Focus, the only one that I saw that actually included day one as far as using Marquise Brown as part of their grade. Wrote this about day one. Kyler Murray has been PFF's second-highest-graded passer on throws 20-plus yards downfield since entering the league in 2019, a good sign for Hollywood in the vertical slot threat role vacated by Christian Kirk. That's day one. Day two, talking about McBride. He was Pro Football Focus's 60th overall player in the class, above-average run-blocking prowess, and downfield pass-catching ability. Thomas turned in three straight years of 80-plus PFF grades, Did that while playing both along the interior and on the edge. Sanders, meanwhile, recorded 10 total pressures in the college football playoff against Alabama. Noted here that his weight needs to stay consistent. He was weighed in at the scouting combine under 230 pounds. He told the media over the weekend that he hopes to play at 255. He's currently at 242. And then day three, as far as looking at those five picks, day three, according to Pro Football Focus, ranked the eighth-best interior offensive lineman on PFF's big board. LaCita Smith is a steal for Arizona. Former tight end and has the movement to prove it. He only allowed 40 pressures across his four college seasons. Pro football focus. With all that, gave the Cardinals a B-minus, which probably where I'm coming from because if you're giving the Cardinals an a for what they did on day one because you acquired a proven talent versus some unknown. And then if you think with respects to day two, Trey McBride, tied in not so much of a need, not a reach, but not so much a need. Maybe you drop them just because yeah. teams or people that do these draft grades you're looking as like they don't need a tight end. What are you doing? So now all of a sudden that drops. And then it becomes a fluctuation on based off who was the available player when the Cardinals were on the clock.
1: Well, and then <clears throat> he said that Thomas's pre-draft process was thrown in a loop though, when he tweaked his hamstring at the Senior Bowl. Nonetheless, his college output at San Diego State University was enough to make him a top 100 prospect. He turned in three straight years of 80-plus pro football grades. And again, you talked about the weight. So um, he said he doesn't have ideal body strength, but he's twitchy. For his size. I'm looking forward to watching him just run
0: down the field and tackle people. This note on those that feel like pro football focus and others about Trey McBride and that pick at number 55. Remember what Kimes said leading up to the draft. Quote, there is definitely some need that is factored in when teams draft. Then he added this. Quote, I think to leave a guy on the board just because of his position need versus taking the best player, I think it's going to put you in a tough spot moving forward. End quote. That was was a week and a half before the draft. At 55, sure, there were players available. Sam Williams, Drake Jackson, Nick Bonito, three edge rushers. Now, Williams had some off-the-field issues that the Cowboys felt were cleared up, and they picked him right after Trey McBride at number 56. But for the Cardinals, when you're grading every player and say McBride was their 20th, and I have no idea, let's just say he was their 20th, and the next available player that they could draft was at 55. That's a no-brainer.
1: Oh, as soon as they made the pick... I thought, best available player. Because, you know, you, you you bring back Zach Ertz on a three-year deal. You bring back Williams. You sign Anderson. You have a couple practice squad guys like Sykovitz and some others. Um, Darrell Daniels and uh, Demetrius Harris are still free. You just don't see them on the roster. But you start looking at it, you know, age-wise with with uh, Ertz. Yeah, to me, that was the best player available when they were picking, and he checked that box, where on on the third day, more sticking to needs in addressing some of the, the depth on this roster. Three edge rushers, a backup running back, and then two offensive linemen because, you know, Justin Pugh's in the final year of his contract. Will Hernandez is on a one year deal. Rodney Hudson's under contract this year and next year, Beach him a free agent. So, um, it's gonna be interesting to see, you know, how many of these guys make the team um, because on paper right now you got to think one of these guys are, are going to get a chance to at least be active on game day. And I do like their size. Uh, they got great anchors. I mean, you could see the belly fat in the front and the anchor, and that's something that Josh Jones doesn't have. Curious to see, as Kingsbury mentioned, who's the backup center right now? It's Sean Harlow. And what does this mean for Justin Murray and Josh Jones?
0: Smith, 314. Hayes, 318 in terms of how much they weigh. And then obviously, you get into the building and you're able to kind of maybe help redistribute some of that weight, add, subtract, but don't lose any of that anchor, to use your phrase. You get stronger once you get into the building because a lot of the pre-draft process, doing a lot of traveling, and then you're training for specific drills at the scouting combine or pro day. You're not doing those drills anymore. So as far as needing to run 40 yards, doesn't matter. So I think, look, there's eight players here. Do all eight make the team? Let's hope so. How many of these eight are we talking about in three years? In four years? Gets a second contract. I mean, we've got a lot of time this offseason to talk about each of these eight players, and we'll get more in-depth on them next week when the rookie minicamp is happening, and we have a chance to not only see but also hear in person from these young players. So a lot of time to talk about them, hopefully not talk up them, because it is an unknown, and it's a lot of forecasting, which is very difficult to do. Not just for the Cardinals, but every team in the NFL. Yeah,
1: and getting back to the two linemen, I mean, usually you see linemen six one, six two. These guys are six three and eight. Smith is, and then you look at um, when it comes to Hayes. He's six four three quarters, so he's almost six five. So that's a little bit bigger than your normal guards like Justin Pugh is right now. Obviously, Josh Jones is six five. Justin Murray's about six four. Beecham is about six seven. So uh, again, I just like the fact that you know, in the in the future, if if Pugh decides to retire, they move on. You got a guy that hopefully is in the system. And at the end of the day, we all know this, and I don't mean to be redundant, but Sean Kluger is going to play the best five guys. But I do like the fact that they could have a couple of these other guys that dress on game day.
0: 16 offensive linemen right now as we speak. 16.
1: That's, that's normal. You usually bring 15 to 16, and, you know, hopefully nobody has any injuries. But you do have some uh, aging veterans. I wouldn't say Hump is, but he's been in the league long enough to where he's going to get some days off. Pew, obviously, you got to worry about the calf in the back, get him through training camp, and then Beachum. Um I would like to see Beachum, you know, get some days off, even though he probably doesn't want to. Uh, but I want to see w- what Josh, Justin Murray can do or Josh Jones at right tackle. I mean, those guys need reps. So they got to get better. And we'll see a lot of those guys in the preseason games.
0: Before we kind of look over the block wall, if you will, and figure out what the rest of the NFC West did, you want to kind of have some fun at our own expense as yeah. far as the mock draft that yeah. we did yeah. ahead we can, of the draft?
1: We can mock ourselves.
0: All per- right, let's, let's, let's mock ourselves. If you missed it, Bird Gang, go to the archives. But we did our own first-round mock draft. Some good, some bad, and then some downright ugly. All right, here's the good. (laughs) We had 28 of the 32 players drafted. Okay. We had them going in the first round. We had four players that we missed on. Boye Mafé, Andrew Booth Jr., Christian Watson, and Malik Willis. I think a lot of people missed on Willis. Many people believe that he would have been the second or third quarterback, and only one quarterback went in the first round. So that was the good. We had twenty-eight to thirty-two. I, I like that percentage. Yeah, it's
1: it's difficult, and we plus we had nine trades.
0: Yeah, uh, that's the other, yeah we did we did not do any trades.
1: No, nine trades. Eight teams had multiple picks. Eight teams didn't even have a first-round pick.
0: Also good. We had seven wide receivers going in the first round. Christian Watson would have been the seventh. In fact, only six were really drafted. So I think we were pretty good on that. Yeah. All right. The bad and and the downright ugly yeah we only got three of the thirty two picks correct meaning we nailed the team yeah the slot yeah. and the player three of those Derek Stingley to the Texans at number three Ikiaquanu to the Panthers at number six and Kenny Pickett to the Steelers at number 20 that latter one I think everyone had the Steelers taking Kenny Pickett so we well, only got th- those three correct well you got two out of the three. I wasn't going to say I, anything, I was but yes, guy. you were the odd man, so you got the Stingley and I got a Quanu and Pickett. Craig, so basically, Craig. I am the better general manager than you. That's correct. Now, Craig, if,
1: I mean, if you go through this, because you, you, some guys were tweeting out five for five, and then I didn't yeah. see their, their Twitter the rest of the night because five defensive players went in the first five, right? Yes. Okay. As long as we let's say we only had 20 of the 32 picks, we probably should have you know checked out and
0: and, <laughs> and
1: probably do something else.
0: But the, uh, see that a lot of that was your own legwork with your top 50 pick. Right.
1: Board. But I mean, to be became household names and yeah. I'm watching the third round. But that's not bad. 28 out of 32. And and when it came to my uh, top 50, I missed out on um, the,
0: Cole Strange. You didn't have the, him in your top 50. No, that, I don't that, think anyone had. That him. was
1: strange. <laughs> Cole Strange, yeah, I didn't have him, and there was another player. And, and Sky Moore. Sky Moore. No, I had Sky Moore, but he he went in the second round. Oh, I got you. Okay. So I, top 50, you're going to have guys going in the second. I did have a guy going in the third round, though, and so he, he technically that would be a little bit long, later pick. But, yeah, I mean, for the most part, when it came to uh, Trey McBride, I had him at 38. I had him the number one tight end in there, and he was right around Christian Harris, Matt Corral, uh, Kyle Gordon, Kenyon Green. Um, and you know, I, I thought we did a good job with the corners. I mean with between uh Sauce and Stingley and then you throw in uh Gordon and Johnson or um uh, what's the one from uh McDuffie. McDuffie, yeah. So I again this is that's the beauty of doing this and you know but twenty eight out of thirty two is not bad. Now we used to do mock drafts for with listeners, right? So they all they all read mock drafts and they figure they figured out one guy this one time I should have, I should have I, I vetoed the pick but he screwed up the entire draft he took this guy at six and he screwed up so the next day we come back and literally we only had six I think we only had sixteen out of the thirty two picks that actually were drafted so I said we're scratching this now
0: yeah and then you get someone who tries to be funny and cute to the, the- and, and my thing
1: is if you like them that much just draft them on your fantasy team don't don't screw up the mock draft. Takes only
0: one guy. For everyone else, yeah. All right, Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai Proud, partner of the Arizona Cardinals. We'll see how we do next year. But you look at what the Rams, Seahawks, and 49ers were able to accomplish. Rams, like the Cardinals, had eight picks, only one, though, in the first two days. They had a third-round selection. They went with an offensive guard, Logan Bruss. They concentrated in the secondary with two corners and two safeties, and you're just wondering, again, it's the Rams, you're the defending Super Bowl champions, you could sit back in your house by the lake and kind of watch the draft and then just take players as they became available. I don't think they were sweating too much this draft.
1: No, and you look at uh, the Bruss, he played over a 1,400 career snaps at right tackle, 352 snaps at right guard, so can never have enough depth, obviously, to draft him in the fourth round. Um, and then you know they also retained Troy Hill. He got traded from Cleveland back to the Rams, and so they added a couple corners, and I was surprised that happened. I think they, between Greedy Williams and Greg Newsome over there, they, they they thought that maybe Troy Hill, he was a free agent pickup. We all know that he had a couple pick sixes against the Cardinals, so he's back in the division. And then you look at that Kerwin Williams. Um, where Kyron Williams. Kyron Williams. He's a running back from Notre Dame, so flood the position but they, they drafted a safety you mentioned a couple corners edge guy two safeties and then they got two tackles so those are the premium positions for the rams right now uh, according to pro football focus draft grade c
0: plus cardinals got a b minus from pro football focus
1: c plus okay. and again their day one crickets
0: seahawks Nine picks, four in the first two days with the ninth overall selection. They went with an offensive tackle, Charles Cross. In fact, they also went with an offensive tackle, Abraham Lucas, in round three. You wonder what Russell Wilson was thinking, sitting in Denver, watching all this transpire. But in the round two, they addressed the edge position, Boye Amafé and running back Kenneth Walker III. So those four names that I mentioned are going to get a lot of attention because you're talking about four picks between the first second and third rounds
1: yeah I, I thought they did really well charles cross you can make the case that he could have been the best lineman across the board uh he's no slouch in the run game he he had an outstanding career um you know mississippi state 85 uh, he was 85 and over uh, you look at mafe was near the top and loaded edge defender 6'4", 261. Um, out of minnesota he ran a 4 42-inch 40, vertical, so I, I actually think Seattle did a really good job. They finally invested, and when you have the ninth pick in the draft, and you have the 40th pick and 41, um, and Kenneth Walker, I was a big fan of him. He was a transfer to Michigan State. He can do everything. Um, clearly, they got to wait and see what Chris Carson, they got a penny back, but I thought Seattle had a good draft. I really do, and, and they they address areas where they've kind of Dwayne Brown over the years, and they match the right tackle, but um, Lucas is a guy that obviously they have familiarity with playing at Washington State. So we'll see how it pans out. Clearly, you know, they got a couple corners. Uh, they got another edge guy. They got a receiver. and They took a tight end. So, But it, as a whole, you know, when you look at day three, um, they basically had five picks, and I think they took advantage of it. And according to Pro Football Focus, they get an A minus. A And again, when you adjust the line position and then you get one of the top backs, even though um, uh, Bryce, um, the running back, Bryce Hall. Hall. Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall. Bryce Hall, yeah. I mean, he was like the second or third guy. So, and that's good because now you can go back to running the football if you can get a lead. And once you got Drew Locke, if he's the quarterback, you're going to have to hopefully manage the game and not try to win it.
0: All right. So that leaves us with the 49ers. Like the Seahawks, they also had nine picks, but three. In the first two days, second round selection outside linebacker, Jake Drake Jackson, who was still available when the Cardinals selected Trey McBride. They do address the offense in round three and four, and they had the Mr. Irrelevance and a shout out to Gilbert's own out of Perry High School, Brock Purdy. Mr. Irrelevant, pick number 262, saw some of the video footage. She was thrilled to hear his name called. So congratulations to quarterback Brock Purdy, one of the 49ers' nine selections, but now he is in San Francisco staying on the West Coast.
1: Yeah, this is what uh, Pro Football Focus said. Now, clearly they didn't have a day one pick because they traded up for Trey Lance a year ago, but Drake Jackson is a phenomenal value at 61 overall for the 49ers. He uses his hands really well and great bend for the position. Even though he's a six foot three, 273 pounder, He's much more of a finesse rusher who lacks any sort of power move. So maybe it's good that the Cardinals did not draft him. He developed some counters to speed rush. He could be a fantastic pass rusher for the Niners, but he's got a lot of work to do. So um, they took a a halfback in the second round. I think that's to basically say we're not going to hand the ball off to Samuel uh, Debo Samuel, the wide receiver they took in the third round, he does have some running back skills or he can run the ball, and that would be Danny Gray out of SMU. They took a tackle, uh, took a corner, another tackle, took two uh, cornerbacks and uh, sorry, cornerback, and then you mentioned Brock Purdy. Uh, according to Pro Football Focus, they get a B grade. Okay. Now Spencer um, Spencer Bur- Burford, a bit undersized at 6'4", 305, but he's nearly 30-inch arms and will help him. In regard, So, again, they took a tackle that obviously has uh, the, the length in the arms, and that really will help you when you're trying to avoid the rush coming off the outside.
0: So that is a look at what the rest of the NFC West did over the three days. And then, of course, obviously we'll see how it transpires once the regular season hits and just how many of these draft prospects become rotation players, become starters, become impact players. We do know one will become an impact player, Marquise Brown because I am going to include him in the Cardinals draft class. And while we're talking about it, we should include Marco Wilson, because that was the fourth-round pick that the Cardinals used to move up to draft Wilson a year ago. And Zach Ertz, fifth-round selection that the Cardinals sent to Philadelphia. To acquire Ertz last season.
1: All right. So now that the draft is over, obviously teams are in phase two. Some are in phase three, based on the the, the new coaches coming in. Uh, maybe some people miss it over the weekend, but they did announce that the Chargers and Chiefs, they're going to play the first th- Thursday night game of football on Prime Video. So we're looking for Amazon. Um, and that's going to be Thursday, May twelfth. That's the first one. And I was here in Amazon, wanted to have a blackout Friday but I don't think it's going to happen until 2023.
0: Put a NFL game on the Friday after Thanksgiving.
1: Correct. That, but they did not – and then coming up on May 4th
0: – We'll get the international games will be announced, and we know that the Cardinals will be in Mexico City for one of those international games. Peter King, Football Morning in America, wrote this – Arizona will host the first game in Mexico since 2019 on Monday night, November 21st, at Azteca Stadium in Mexico City. It will likely be against one of the eight other teams that have international marketing rights in Mexico. Raiders, Rams, or Niners look logical to me. That's what Peter King wrote. will know official on Monday Wednesday, night football? 4th.
1: And the Cardinals will have eight home games, and they have the ninth, and then they're going to play in Mexico. And then the Cardinals will obviously only have one preseason game at home and two on the road. So, um, yeah, you know, that's
0: that's the next thing is, is trying to figure out the schedule. Yeah. That, that's that's what's coming up. And we next. know
1: the opponents, and it's a great day because, again, we go through it every year. We can just like, you know, copy and paste. But, um, primetime games when's your bye week? Um, who are you opening up with? When are division games? Um, how, did, how does the final month of the season finish, just based on what's happened the last couple of years? Um, are, you, are you on the road in back-to-back weeks? Are you at home two out of three times a, a month over the first? So there's a lot of factors, but it's just fascinating. And then, obviously, the Bird Gang and the and the Cardinals fans, they travel, and they've done a really good job of that. So the Cardinals have a really good home schedule. Keep your tickets.
0: We will talk about that international game later on this week but that is what is next. The National Football League does a great job even in the off season to maintain headline status doing something seemingly every single month. And the schedule is what happens in May.
1: Yeah, it was just guys in underwear at the combine and then you had the interviews and then all of a sudden you get pro days and then you get visits and then you get to the draft. Oh, it's fascinating. Listen, I I I mean there was a lot of noise after the Cardinals uh, were, were eliminated in the playoffs, but I, I feel better now to where that you know that noise is that seems like everyone's on the same page and it's been a drama off for the NFL as a whole. Just all this, all the t- players going from conference to conference. The quarterback, if you don't have one, you can tell he got no chance. And we're, we're seeing a lot of quarterback. Well, who would have thought Matt Ryan would be, would be in the AFC or Russell Wilson? If I would have told you the year ago this and Tom Brady's coming back again, so. Um, A lot of drama um, in the offseason, probably just as much during the season.
0: Always something in the NFL. And on that note, we will put a lid on this edition of Cardinals Cover 2 presented by Hyundai, proud partner of the Arizona Cardinals. As always, special thanks to our executive producer, Jim Omohundro. For Mike Jarecki, I'm Craig Riolu. We'll talk to you next time here on Cardinals Cover 2.